0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: That Nashville bombing sure scared us uh, Christmas morning. I've told you before I have a brother-in-law who is a Nashville Metro police officer and when all that was known was that a a bomb had gone off or an explosion of some sort had taken place in downtown Nashville, it (laughs) it was a scramble to get everyone accounted for. And it's looking like It's looking like the alleged bomber is the only one to have lost their life, and that's a a good thing. Not that a life was lost, but that uh, innocent bystanders, uh, bystanders, did not lose theirs. And we, uh, you know, offer you know prayers, of course, to uh, I believe three individuals who were injured as a result of the blast and the some forty property owners whose buildings were uh, were damaged in that explosion. Just an odd, odd deal. And as we learn more and more about what took place that morning, it gets even more hard to understand. A motive not yet known. What is known thus far is that, uh, I believe it was uh, just ahead of 6.30 Eastern time, an announcement from a PA system in an RV. Downtown Nashville starts uh, blasting out a warning. Stand back, stand back. And in response to that warning, Uh, Police officers who were nearby, they did, in fact, stand back. Others kept a a safe distance. And then, oddly, after the announcement played, uh, the song Downtown began to play. And then kaboom. And very luckily, uh, no innocent bystander lost their life. It's it's a head-scratcher. I don't want to speculate. You know, I'm not, I'm not a professional in those, in those areas. While speculation is one of the primary responsibilities of a talk radio host, uh, I don't want to speculate too much. But I don't think it's, uh, I don't think that uh, wondering about mental illness is too far out of line. Anyway, uh, we'll keep an eye on those details as more becomes available. If a motive becomes clear, or if there are any other individuals shown to have been involved, uh, you can find that information right here on KSL News Radio. Also, while I have you, I want to invite you to download the KSL News Radio app. It's powered by Any Hour Services. On there, you'll be able to, uh, well, first listen live to all of the great programming we hear we have here at KSL News. Radio. Also, you will be able to uh, look back. You'll be able to look back on and listen to uh, past segments. We we archive the segments here at KSL News Radio, and in particular, my program. You can listen to a conversation I had earlier today, just after one o'clock, with Debbie Djanovic. We talked about, uh, and this is an important thing, and I invite you to uh, really look at your own circumstances to see if maybe uh, you have the capacity for some generosity here. As you receive the $600 stimulus payment, there will be many who qualify for the $600 per individual plus some money for dependents. There will be many who qualify to receive those payments who have, during the course of 2020, really experienced very little in terms of economic impact, very little disruption to their personal economy. You've been able to maintain your employment. You've been able to maintain stability. If you are in this position and you qualify for the $600, consider looking around you. Look at maybe your in laws or some of your friends or uh, who knows, someone in your circle or even outside your circle and ask if that money might be of benefit to them. W. Janovic earlier today talked about a principle of generosity and how it can be very helpful to us. And while it might seem like you've just, you're just sending money out the door with nothing in return, uh, I, I can assure you that there, there is something you get in return. You may not be able to deposit in a bank account. You may not be able to use it to pay one of your own bills, but there is a return on that investment, the investment of generosity. So consider it. That's all I'm asking you. Consider it. Take a moment before you commit your money. uh, See if you might be able to share it with those who are in greater need than yourself. Uh, I apologize. This five-minute tangent here, I I didn't intend to go down. Uh, What I wanted to talk to you here about is an interesting question that is lingering when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine. And it's important that we get an understanding. Of the answer to the question, how long does immunity last after you receive the the two dose series of either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine, uh, which you know, according to their paperwork and studies, and agreed to by the FDA, is ninety five percent safe or ninety five percent effective? How long after that vaccination? How long does the immunity last? It's important to know. It's important to know for a few reasons, but primarily because there will, in the coming year, arise a great need to establish new policies. As we transition, (laughs) to put it in in terms that feel like uh, a century ago, as we transition to the green phase, remember that? Remember when it was color-coded here in Utah? Doesn't that feel like an eternity ago? Yeah. Well, if we're talking in those terms, as we transition to green the new normal, that transition will need to be handled very delicately and deliberately for risk of backsliding. So how do we know? How do we know how long the vaccine will last? That question was asked of Dr. Eddie Stenium during a medical briefing. Uh, here's how he responded.
2: We really don't know for an, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that we don't know how long this immunity will last. And so that's gonna be something that they look at very carefully in these trials. You know, the the people that are in the trials are in it for two years. And so they'll monitor in that two year period, well, what does antibody levels do? And also when do they start seeing new infections in those people that were immunized? Um, To be able to say, okay, how long does immunity really last? Is it one year? Is it two year, three year, four year? We, We don't know at this point we know that from just data observationally that it looks like you know once you've been infected you have a number of months of protection likely at least 6 months potentially longer but we just don't know how long both natural immunity meaning immunity that you get from infection or immunity from you get from a vaccine how long that lasts and so we won't have any good idea on that for you know probably quite some time we anticipate that it'll be uh, at least a year, potentially longer. Um, but we just have to follow the data in terms of how well antibody levels correlate with protection. Um, that's going to be one thing to do. And the other thing to really keep in mind is what's happening in the UK. And so if we start seeing mutations in the spike protein, which is what we develop our immune response to, um, you know, similar to flu, if we're starting to see significant mutations in that protein... We may have to revaccinate with a different vaccine um, to accommodate those mutations. And so lots are going into that. And unfortunately, we don't have an answer um, in terms of what that interval will be.
1: Our inability to answer these questions is rooted in part by the accelerated timeline for their development. I am comfortable and confident that the FDA uh, made an appropriate decision in determining these vaccines, the two approved thus far, to be safe and effective. But some of the broader questions, not part of the approval process, are still unanswered. And really, only the passage of time and observation will get us there. Let's do what we can to help these efforts. We're going to take a break right now, and then I want to talk to you about my Christmas. I learned some lessons, and I'll share them with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry.